welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right. Good morning. Way to go. You guys are road warriors. Come out even when it's snowing. So, I, Now listen, if, if it snows really bad uh, and we get snowed in here, the good news is we have plenty of supplies. Okay? And nourishment. The, and we'll be able to watch the Chiefs game. The bad news is that, is that all we have is donuts, grape juice, and crackers. So... Kind of like manna in the desert. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, hey, uh, so we are continuing in our uh, in our our Advent series, um, and so today's joy. And so, Chaz and Heather Bell are going to bring the message today. So give them a hand and welcome them. Thanks, man. Awesome. Good morning, guys. You guys are troopers going through that snow on the way here. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, there's lots of people on the highway going like 35 miles an hour. I was like, ah, oh, come on, it's not that bad yet. <laughs> but we're so excited to actually get to share with you guys today um, and just teach on joy. So um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd just like to take a moment and say a word of prayer before we get started and we'll hop in. So God, Lord, thank you for this opportunity just to teach from your word and uh, to get to share just the ways that you have used joy in our own lives um, for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you just anoint the words um, that you want to, to land on people's hearts, Lord. Uh, and I hope that, Lord, that you would just take those and use those to shape hearts and actions. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So when we're talking about joyous moments, like the joyous moments in your life, uh, the first thing that really stands out to me when I think about that is actually finding out that my wife is pregnant with our daughter, Melody. So that was a good one, right? Wait, I wasn't that creative. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's not us. <laughs> but uh, it happened. We, we had been married for almost three years, and we had just both recently finished college. So we were broke. We had no insurance at the time, and we were both working really unstable jobs. But at the moment I found out that Heather was pregnant, like, none of that mattered, Right? All of that was just, it wasn't even in the picture. All that mattered was this gift that God had given us. Um, I remember Heather was working at this uh, financial like, accounting firm called State Street, and she had to get up at like stupid o'clock in the morning to go to work every morning. And I didn't wake up for like another three hours. So she would always get ready kind of in the dark quietly and give me a kiss on the way out the door, and I don't remember half of them because I just wasn't conscious, right? But this particular morning, my wife came in and just really gently woke me up. Chess, I need you in the bathroom real quick. And I, I, I wasn't a dad yet, so I wasn't like used to or practiced at being woken up out of a dead sleep as I am now. But uh, I remember getting up and I remember getting staggering to the bathroom and honestly like a little annoyed. I remember trying to figure out what she wanted because she was being really vague when I would ask her questions about it. But she wanted me in the bathroom urgently. So she like, takes me by the hand, she leads me into the bathroom and stands me right in front of the sink. And there's a pregnancy test sitting on the counter there. But I remember like standing there for an embarrassing amount of time trying to figure out what is going on. <laughs> and I'm standing there, I'm getting more, like, more annoyed as the moments go on and suddenly like it clicks. I see the pregnancy test. I'm just about to ask like, where the spider is, and I see it. And I've watched enough commercials to know what a plus sign means. So suddenly, I'm wide awake. I'm like, 
what, what, what? Serious? I, I think I asked, like, are you serious, like, a hundred times. It was just all I could say was, like, are you serious? Are you serious? And we were so excited. That was, like, probably the hardest morning. I know for me, personally, it was the hardest morning to send you off to work because I wasn't conscious for all the others. But <laughs> I remember that moment, like, it's burned into my mind. How do you guys, how many of you guys remember the moment that you first found out like you were pregnant with your, your sons or daughters, right? I want to hear those stories later, right? Yeah, and for some of us, like that might just be like a moment you dream of. Um, but we have these like big like ideas of that announcement being like really celebratory and, and fun and exciting. Um, but we're going to hear, we're going to talk about this morning a couple stories of two women who find out that they are pregnant. Um, this, our story today deals with... Um, Two miracle mothers, okay? But they're pretty different. One is in her 70s. She's been married for a lot of years, but she's childless. She's barren. The other is young. She's 13 or 14, and she's never been married, and she's a virgin, but they do have many similarities. Interestingly enough, they're relatives, and they have both been chosen by God to be the human instruments for the birth of two very unusual men. Now, Elizabeth was the elder of the two women. Like I said, she was barren. So she had spent many years praying for a child, and at this point, she'd probably given up. She was 70 years old and still no kids. And at this time, like 2,000 years ago, um, women weren't treated all that great. Um, And lots, yeah. Um, I don't want to expand on that. Um, but they were, um, they were really valuable for like, what they could produce like, and what they could do. And um, being unable to have children, aside from being tragic and, and painful for women as it is today, at that time, it was also really shameful. But her destiny was to be the mother of John the Baptist, okay? the greatest prophet that ever lived. And how did she find out she was pregnant? Well, her husband was visited by an angel. In chapter 1 of, um, of Luke, it says that when Zechariah saw him, the angel, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers, your prayers for a child, have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. That is quite an announcement. It's a lot different than thinking you have to get up to go to the bathroom and kill a spider for your wife. <laughs> but six months later, Mary, right, the, about 13 or so, she was engaged, but she wasn't yet married. Um, she was visited by the angel Gabriel as well. And she was told that she would conceive by the Holy Spirit and that she would have a son who would be the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Savior of the world. But this is scary. Getting pregnant at this time, before her wedding night, could be cause for like capital punishment. Like, um, it, it was a big deal. Okay, her family could reject her. Her fiance tries to divorce her, but God stops him. Guys, an announcement of pregnancy is generally supposed to be a joyful and celebratory thing, but this is different. Okay, Mary has all sorts of reasons to be afraid and like ask that this responsibility be passed to someone else, but she doesn't. She just humbly accepts her role. Now, in addition to the announcement of like, hey, you're going to be the mom to the Son of God, Gabriel gives her a sign and like a confirmation as a way to say, hey, there's miracles happening around you, okay? 
before you even show signs of pregnancy in your own body, you can go visit your relative and you can see that she is, is pregnant. You can go see for yourself that God is working. See, verse, um, verse 36 of Luke 1 says that Gabriel told her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And we see Mary's response. May your word to me be fulfilled. So there's two women separated by many years and many miles and different circumstances, but they meet in the story before us. And as N.T. Wright says, God's purposes and plans are first revealed in a private meeting between two women on the edge of society. So until this time, until they meet, neither of them knew about the other's visit from Gabriel or about like their miraculous conception. It's not like today where you can like call or text or you know email or whatever. They couldn't like you know go live on Instagram when Gabriel comes to visit them. That wasn't a thing. Um, so they didn't know. They only knew about their own experience. So we see it's like almost immediately after Gabriel's visit, Mary goes, she packs up her stuff and heads to Elizabeth's house. So as we read in this in um, verse thirty-nine of Luke one, we have it. Yeah, we read this earlier. At this time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Yes, I love how this story reads. You kind of get the sense that it's like really immediate and kind of maybe clunky. Like Mary walks in and before she can even get through like her greetings, like, hi guys, it's me, Mary. Like, I've got some news. You better sit down. Um, Elizabeth is like, whoa, like something's going on here, guys. <laughs> now, movements of the fetus are are normal, right? Like a baby, they, they do flips and stuff in there sometimes. Um, but this is not one of those moments. Um, this, is, this is different. This isn't coincidental. And we know that because of verse 40, 44, Elizabeth says, behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. The baby was motivated by nothing other than joy. And that's what we get to talk about this morning. So what is joy? Yeah, what is joy? As you all know, Joy is a character from Pixar's Inside Out. Uh, sorry, no. <laughs> Joy, biblically speaking, first off, is a fruit of the Spirit, right? You find in Galatians 5. Um, oops, I did it too far. My bad. All right. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians 5, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no long, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if the Spirit is active and working our lives, this is the fruit that should grow up around it. All of these things should be growing in us, including joy. And I know joy is not one of those things we normally think of when we think of like, oh, I need to be more patient, or I need to have more self-control. We usually think of like the restrictive disciplined types of things. But joy as an expression is one of those fruits, and it's the second one. Not saying there's a hierarchy there, but it's the second one on the list. 
So therefore, by definition, a gloomy, grumpy Christian is a contradiction in terms. The Spirit is inviting us to choose joy, peace, patience, and the rest. And today, we really wanted to zero in on joy. So if we're being invited to choose joy, what exactly is joy? Well, Webster defines joy as the feeling of great pleasure or happiness, to delight in something. But for our purposes this morning, I want to define it a little bit different. I believe biblically what joy is as a fruit of the Spirit is a celebration of God's presence and goodness in the present moment, right? So we want to, we want to take some time kind of unpacking that this morning. It's to rejoice about the presence and goodness of God in your life. It's a celebration, right? An outward expression of an inward reality. God is with me, and therefore I can respond in this way because God is with me. And that reality is that God is here and he is good. This is Christmas, right? They said like, when Jesus was born, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the thing they choose to emphasize at this season, that God is with us. Therefore, life is good and worth celebrating. All of scripture starts off in Genesis. When God creates the world, he creates each part of it, and he says, that's good. I'll create this, that's good. And he creates mankind, and he says, that's very good. God delights in his creation. And life is good, and God delights in us. He's for us. In the book of Leviticus, God goes on and he actually sets out a whole bunch of rules. He says, I want you guys to be special. I want you to be this kingdom of priests that really demonstrate who I am. And one of the things that I think is really important, I'm going to set aside seasons of the year for you guys to celebrate. No matter what, you need to celebrate. God commands the party. (laughs) Right? Marty Solomon says it like this. God commands us to party because if we don't, we forget that the story is good. And this is one of those times of year where we come together to celebrate God is with us. Like the story is good. Maybe some of you have forgotten that life is good this morning. Life has a way of beating that enthusiasm out of us. Life is good because God is good. And this is the season that we celebrate it. The waiting is over. As John leaped in the womb for joy because Jesus was here. So we get to celebrate the presence of God in our midst. So let me ask you, when was the last time you really got worked up about something? Like you really got excited about God, about anything. We all need to express joy. And if you want, if you want an example of, of like how to express joy, just look at the kids. I mean, the kids can turn any ordinary car ride into an adventure, right? You know this, kids are naturally enthusiastic and joyful. They think everything is wonderful. The world is full of magic. We go on a car ride and we have to like celebrate every single construction site and every train and every fire truck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking this morning about how um, like as, as kids are such great examples of this because your perspective on snow days really changes from like when you're a kid to like when you're an adult. When you're a kid, snow days are like the coolest thing ever. You're like, no school. I get all the hot chocolate I want. We're going <laughs> to go sledding, make snow and all this stuff. But as you get older, you see snow, you're like, okay, I got a shovel. I have to fight the lines at Target maybe to get some ice or whatever. I don't actually shovel. He shovels. But <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's going to shovel and whatever. Um, but, you know, then you're like, you know, traffic's going to be bad. I have to leave for work early. Like it kind of sometimes is just a, little, a little gloomy, right? But That's why we just wanted to point out that kids, um, they have so much to teach us about joy and about celebration. And then another example, when I talk about this, I like to point out, like, as an adult, how many of you have been in, like, a full-blown food fight? 
I'm not raising my hand. I haven't. Oh, oh, well, Cody nobody, nobody is surprised by that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but how, who wants to be in a food fight? That's a different question. Right? So after a, the service today. Yeah, a few more hands. And see, the, the, one of the reasons why is as adults, like we think, okay, um, this food might stay in my clothes. There's a big mess. Like it's wasteful. Um, and we kind of have that perspective. But I, I almost guarantee if I had like a, a couple bowls of spaghetti and I took it back to the kids' room and I was like, all right, food fight, like right here and now, like who, who's in? <laughs> like at least my kids, right? And probably <laughs> a lot more. They'd be like, yeah, totally. Because kids are just kind of in the moment and they don't really think about cleaning up the mess while they're making it. They, they have this ability um, to really just be present um, and, and celebrate. And as Chaz said, our kids like to celebrate everything. Um, and for us, what that means is that like we stop. Like in our house, we celebrate a lot. So what that looks like is we stop, we pause, we kind of close our responsibilities and our tasks, just close it like a book for, a little, for just a moment. And we choose by an act of our will to turn our attention to what is good and just to notice it. In our house, um, our youngest is potty training. And that's all I'm going to say about any details of that. But like a thousand <laughs> times a day when he uses the bathroom, um, we celebrate. We, we all eat a mini marshmallow. And we tell Silas that he did a good job. Okay, And I know that's small. But, um, and there are obviously like bigger reasons to celebrate. But um, I'm just trying to point out a child's perspective. Like That's a big deal. We can celebrate these things. Um, another example, just one time earlier this summer, I was working from home in the backyard and the kids were playing outside in the sprinkler and we have these like bare swatches where like grass just won't go grass just will like we've tried a bunch of different stuff but grass won't grow at these spots in our yard and for us we're thinking about like okay the resale value of the house like it doesn't look that great but our kids are like hey it's dirt like cool like we don't have to be careful with this and so I'm out there working and they take the hose and they just like spray the dirt patches with water and to make mud and then they cover like all of their exposed skin with mud and they're running around like they're secret agents in camouflage or something. I don't really even know. Um, and they still talk about that as being like one of the funnest summer days that they had. Um, but it's interesting, they don't remember how long I like sprayed them down with the ice cold hose water <laughs> before I would let them come in the house scraping that little bits of like gravel like out of their hair and stuff. They don't remember that. Um, but because they're kids, right? They are spontaneous. They're like silly and playful and excitable. And they're just great examples of joy. I really believe that children are free to celebrate and be joyful and playful because they don't instinctively worry. Okay, they don't worry about food, really, clothes, bills. They're not worried about the resale value of our house. They just see something fun, like, hey, it's dirt, and they just want to celebrate that. And when we find a child whose basic needs aren't met, like deep within us, we know something is pretty wrong in that situation because children aren't meant to carry the weight of their own needs. Matthew 6, um, 25 through 26 says, Therefore I tell you, these are, this is Jesus talking, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? 
I think an aspect of joy, like an aspect of celebrating the presence and the goodness of God, is that we're invited into the freedom of knowing that we're not meant to carry the weight of our own needs. That God is constant and powerful and present and able. And he says we can cast our cares on him. And he says he'll supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. And he says he loves us more than life. And as we read earlier in verse 37 of Luke 1, we know that no word from God will ever fail. In Luke 10, Jesus again draws our attention back to children. When he says at this time, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. Yes, Heather said, like, the, the idea that, like, how our attitude changes towards snow, you know? I, I remember the first time I woke up, and like, oh, I have to shovel the driveway. And I paused for a second. I was like, what has happened to me? Like, <laughs> you know, there, there's like a shift that happens. I, th- I think one of the secrets of life is growing old without losing that. And we're not talking about being childish, right? It's the idea Jesus said that, that to enter the kingdom, you have to be childlike. And somewhere along the way, we start to lose that just ability to celebrate the things. Like, how beautiful is the freshly fallen snow, right? But over, over time, I, I think our, our worry, our, our discontentment leads us just to see these things as, as burdens or hassles to overcome, and we lose perspective. And so, like, one of our prayers this morning is that God would just renew that childlike perspective. So what is the Spirit inviting you to celebrate this morning? Joy is a celebration. So let's, let's go back to our definition. Joy is a celebration of God's presence and goodness in the present moment. So we celebrate, but for joy to be a true, lasting gift of the Holy Spirit, it can't, uh, it, it's not some toy or sugar-induced enthusiasm, right? <laughs> it must come from the proper source to be a gift of the Spirit. Many things can make us feel joy, like buying a new car, like eating a good meal, is anyone else like a huge chicken wings fan? I could eat chicken wings all day, every day. Yeah. Getting, <laughs> getting a raise at work, right? The birth of a child. Many things can make us feel good. Feel joy. Baby Yoda. Anyone? Isn't he adorable? I want one. <laughs> we can feel... I'm just going to leave that up there for a while. We can feel joy from having our longings and desires met. Those, those are all well and good. But the joy that we're talking about this morning goes beyond that. It's, about, it's not about getting a new treasure. It's about realizing that you already have the greatest treasure of all. Right? It's a joy that's not only present in gain, but it's also present in loss. Because this joy finds its source in God. In, the, in his presence, in his goodness, this joy says that I can rejoice in all circumstances because God is here. Like Paul said in Philippians Four, four through five. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I actually like the message version better. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working for them and not against them. Help them to see the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any moment. Don't you love that? Celebrate God all day, every day. Joy at its core springs from the belief that God is here and he's for us. He is good. That is the truth. But sometimes 
our circumstances really lead us to doubt, right? Let's face it. We are at war. We are in a spiritual battle. There's a saying in the vineyard, uh, there's another team on the field. So imagine, if you will, like a football game. I know Cody loves football, right? So as a team, you guys have been practicing for weeks. You've been exercising like crazy. You've been running all the plays. You've run your plays like 100 times. And then the day of the big game comes, right? And the team gets out there, and they run the plays just like practice, and they get creamed. Nothing's going right. The quarterback gets taken out in the first quarter, and the team frustrated. They come to the coach and just like, Coach, what's going on? Nothing's going like practice. And he's like, yeah, there's another team on the field. It's, it's a stark reality, guys, but understand that we, we don't live this life unopposed. And when challenges come up, we, we often want to make it into like a, is God really for us? Is God really here? And we doubt that part without really giving acknowledgement to there's another team on the field. But even though there's another team out there, that's not a reason to despair, right? Because the coach sees the game, right? And he's calling, calling calls, right? He's calling audibles as we go. And that's what in Galatians 5, when it talks about where we live by the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. We have a coach who's for us. He knows what's going on, and he's in control. So we can have joy. But joy is, is a choice. Like the hook that you hang your coat on at home, right? What do you hang your joy on? Like when I have joy, when this is here, right? But when that, when that falls, my coat falls, my joy falls. So I ask you this morning, what is your joy hanging on? I actually invited one of my buddies from work. He doesn't like, he's from California. He doesn't like driving in the snow, so he's not here this morning. <laughs> but he knows, like, I'm not perfect at this, you know? There's many times a day that I let my joy fall because of circumstances, But when we hang our joy, when we hang our celebration on the goodness and the presence of God, that is something that is unchanging. And so we always have reason for joy. There's a cool story about this in Acts 16. Uh, Paul and Silas were going up to the temple to pray. And on the way, uh, a demon-possessed, like, fortune-teller slave girl starts harassing them, like just yelling at them as they're walking down the road. And so, full of the Holy Spirit, Paul turns around and says, like, come out of her and cast the demon out. This is bad because now she's no longer working as a fortune teller, right? So her, her slave owners get really upset. They actually have Paul and Silas beaten with rods and thrown in prison. And so this is one of those moments, right? We, we live by the Spirit, so we're in step with the Spirit. Suddenly we've been beaten with rods and thrown in jail, right? Like if anyone had a, a reason to be upset about this, it's Paul and Silas. But they don't respond with the whole like, what's going on? What's happening here? They don't doubt at all that God's with them. The response is, they're sitting there, backs bruised in prison, and they start singing hymns and telling the other prisoners about Jesus, right? And they're singing, they're singing, and in the midst of their singing, an earthquake comes, shakes the jail so hard that all the doors spring open. And the head jailer runs in, thinking that they'd all escaped and he's going to be executed. He's about to kill himself. And Paul says, no, stop, we're all still here, right? And look how he responds. It's in verse 29. The jailer calls for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They've obviously had an impact on this guy. He says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. 
The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. See, guys, there's this, there's this really powerful thing when you choose joy. It becomes contagious to others. People start to, to wonder, like, why on earth are you so happy? I see what's happened to you. Either you're nuts or you know something I don't, right? And this guy gets it, like, immediately. He just cuts to the chase. It's just like, you guys obviously know something I don't. What do I need to do to have what you have, right? And his whole life changed. They got his attention, and as a result, their joy was multiplied. But they had to choose it. As Wes Stafford said, joy is a decision, and a really brave one, about how you're going to respond to life. They could have felt sorry for themselves and lost hope, but they stayed in step with the Spirit, even to the point that they didn't immediately bolt after the earthquake. I don't know if I've been beaten with rods and suddenly God miraculously does an earthquake to open the doors, I'm out of there. Like, I'm gone. <laughs> but they're staying in step with the Spirit, and they're there to see the opportunity that God laid in front of them. Speaking of staying in step with the Spirit, I, this is like my one story of like, the blind squirrel finds a nut, Right? Um, <laughs> I used to uh, work in theater, and so I'd, I, would, I would do uh, theater production. We'd build sets for different shows and things, and I, I worked for the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival, which is this uh, big theater festival that happens right by the Nelson in the park there, and it's just a park. It's grass and trees. There's nothing out there, and we build a stage and a whole, the, whole, the whole bit with uh, lighting towers and all that kind of stuff, and we set it up, and it runs for about a month and a half, and then we tear it all down. It's a lot of hard work. Uh, but I used to be in charge of that whole setup process, building the set and getting it all ready. And uh, there was one particular show that we were getting everything set. I, I worked all day. It's 95 degrees outside. I'm a sweaty mess. Um, but there's a dinner break, and then it's time for a technical rehearsal, which I have to stick around for. And uh, the, the way they had it set up, the stage was facing this kind of natural amphitheater, sloped lawn where all the audience would sit. And there was a bunch of trees behind the stage which cast shade on the backstage area where all the actors in full Elizabethan garb and 95 degree weather <laughs> had to be. So it was a nice shady spot. And as they're getting set up for tech rehearsal, there was a homeless man that was sitting back in that area. And the stage manager needed to clear the area out so they can get set up for rehearsal and, and everything. And so um, as I'm kind of putting all the tools away for the day and stuff, I hear them kind of arguing with this homeless guy. And um, by the time it all kind of settled down, I grabbed my lunch. I'm getting ready to go like take my lunch. By the time it all actually settled out, like everyone was kind of upset. The homeless guy walked off cussing. And uh, he went and sat on the wall just outside the fence for the area. And the whole backstage area is like, what's his deal? What's his problem? I was like, well, you guys picked the shadiest spot in the whole park, <laughs> you know? But I'm getting ready to eat my lunch. I'm sweaty. I'm tired. And I felt God say, go share your dinner with that man. And I wish I could tell you I responded with joy. But it was more like, oh. <laughs> you, know, you know that feeling when God just lays something on your heart and you can't shake it, you know? Everyone was kind of mumbling and grumbling and kind of staring at Adam and stuff. And I was like, these are my meatballs. <laughs> I want to eat my meatballs in peace. But, like, I stayed in step. Like I said, this is, I'm not trying to, like, put myself on a pedestal because this is the blindfold squirrel finds a nut, guys. So like, I go over there, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm sorry about that earlier. Like, uh, I, I had some meatballs, and I, I felt like God told me to come over here and share my meal with you. Like, you want some meatballs? <laughs> It was super awkward, right? I only had one fork. I don't know if you guys have tried to share meatballs with only one fork. But I gave him the fork, and I was just kind of eating them with my hands. It was really messy. 
Um, but we sat there. I asked him where he was from. He was just kind of passing through town and stuff. And, and um, we started talking about God. And I, I prayed for him before I left. And, and there was no, like, really big thing. Like, he didn't pray and, you know, his, his leg was magically healed or anything like that. But it was just one of those things. I, I stayed in step with what God called me to do, right? And the whole time I'm sitting there, everyone in the backstage area is just kind of, like, giving me the sideways glances and staring and stuff. And it felt super awkward the whole time. I wish I could tell you this is super comfortable. But I tell you what, the, the one thing that really stood with me from that encounter, as I was like walking to go put my lunch away and go out to where I needed to be for the rehearsal, like I, I just remember and like, I did it. Like, Lord, you asked me to do it and I did it. And, and I felt like that, I, I kind of heard that verse in my head that, that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You know, uh, I was really tired, you know, and hot and sweaty and stuff. And I, I heard that, but then, the strangest thing, like, have you guys ever felt God smile on you? Like, that's the most amazing feeling. When you feel like God's just, like, he's just smiling right at you. Like, you did it. That's my boy. Like, you did what I told you to do. You, you showed love when it was hard, you know? And that's the thing, guys. Like, joy is contagious. Our obedience brings him joy which in turn becomes our strength to keep saying yes to his invitations. You see, we're called to be a witness, but more than that, we're called to demonstrate. We're called to put our God on display. This is what my God's like. He can handle anything. And no one's too low for him to love. Right? We demonstrate him with our very nature. And I wish I could say I always do this. Well, I don't. I blow it all the time. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Right? But when we get this, man, it's powerful. So back to our definition. Joy is a celebration of God's presence and goodness in the present moment. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about just that last part, in the present moment. Um, and this is an important part of, of our definition of joy because we can't go back in time right, and choose joy for moments that are already past. And we can't wait for joy to just happen to us. We have to choose joy in the present. And we're not going to find joy by scrambling and striving for it. We can't rush this present moment. The sun's, you know, it's going to rise and it's going to set, and it's not going to wait for you, and it's not going to rush for you. Um, So we can't find joy just by by trying really hard or rushing the present. We we really need to be where we are. Um, If you live in the present moment, you'll be here right, to see what the Spirit is inviting you to in this moment. But if you leave the present, if you find yourself obsessing over the past or worried about the future, you can run the risk of missing the joy that's in front of you right now. I say this because often, like, it's just really easy to get trapped in these cycles of thinking, of focusing on the past or the future. Can we travel between the two, right, in our minds, trying to avoid regret? We work hard to try to predict the outcome, we think about all the ways that things could go wrong or have already gone wrong. Right? Maybe it's like, for me, like guilt about summer days that you know, you'll spend working instead of spending with your kids. But those haven't happened yet, right? Um, or maybe you lose sleep over a conversation that you had a few weeks ago, thinking of all the things you should have said. I hesitate to ask this, but I, I, I really think I can't be the only one that's like been up at night over a conversation I had seven years ago. Has that happened to anyone? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you, my friends. You, I feel like you know me now. Um, 
but we get in these cycles, right? Like, do you, you know, kind of imagining how someone might perceive you, and then you kind of defend yourself against that, and you kind of have this argument back and forth, but it's like all pretend. None of it has actually happened. See, sometimes we can allow our emotions to walk into the future or back into the past kind of without our rational minds. And because of that, we're not able to choose the present joy. In his book, The Jesus Way, Eugene Peterson says that the only way to live in the present is to do so on purpose. Okay, we can be alert to and uh, attentive and receptive to what God is doing in and for us and in and for others. This moment is where you are. Your present life is all you have, and you can only be in one place at a time, right? So stay in, in today. Um, you guys know that in, like, professional races and, like, marathons and stuff, there's a person called a pacer or a pace setter. I don't know this from any experience. I Googled it. I don't run <laughs> at all. Um, so this pacer, this person, is an ex- is, he's an experienced, he or she, is an experienced runner, and they take part in marathons to help the other racers, like, stick to a certain speed. Um, and so this pacer, this pace setter, is like a visual embodiment of time. And so the other runners can kind of judge where they are, um, and they can judge their pace by how close they are to the pace setter. Chaz mentioned Galatians 5, um, 25. I'm going to read it again, though. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You guys, the Spirit is active, and he's working. And he was working in the past, and he'll be working in the future, but his invitation is current. It's present. So if we find ourselves living lives devoid of hope or joy or peace, I think a good question might be to ask, are we trying to make our way through life ahead of or behind our pace setter? Are we getting ahead of what the Spirit is doing, like rushing into the future on our own timing instead of waiting on the Lord? Or are we lagging behind, like afraid to step forward in obedience? Staying in today is a really important part of this. And it's, an, it's a good practice for anyone, especially for those of us who might be prone to like anxiety or replaying the worst case scenario. When we stay in today, we can admit what's really going on in the present. And when we face what's before us, we can do that with an awareness of the constancy and the goodness of God. And we can choose joy in the present and celebrate the goodness and the presence of God as we choose to direct our awareness toward him. It's your turn. Yeah, so taking this home, right? One of the ways that we can do this is just look for and reflect on God's presence with you. He is present with you. He is here, and he's for your good. Even if you can't feel it, know that that's true. And choose to celebrate it even when it doesn't seem true. Maybe like Paul and Silas, like your joy will have a powerful impact on others. You can look for God's invitations, even if they don't make sense like sharing your meatballs, right? Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. We can sync up our schedule and resources with the Holy Spirit. So that's the invitation for today. I would ask you, I'd kind of like just to take a moment, and I want to pray for you guys. And while I'm doing that, um, Cody has just taught so much about like how to hear the Lord's voice. And I want to just take a moment as I pray for you just to reflect on, Lord, how can, I, how can I do this? How can I reflect on and celebrate just how you've been present to me recently? So Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts this morning. 
God, I, I pray that just the message that, that um, we've shared here today, Lord, that it, it would touch hearts. God, I pray that even now you would just be highlighting in people's minds the ways that you've been present, the ways that you've been faithful and good, the ways that you've revealed yourself. God, most of all, I pray that you would just fill everyone with the sense of your felt presence. God, that you are here and you are for them. God, let, let them feel your smile on them this morning. God, and let us just hold on to those things. Let us hold on to those moments, those memories, um, as stones of remembrance, God, of just what you've done for us, how you've been faithful. And let us hold on to those as we move forward, knowing that you're going to continue to be with us and for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com. 